Welcome to the Business Diaries podcast, where we uncover the stories that shaped the business owner. Brought to you by Lisa Settle and Isla O'Hara. Welcome to the Business Diaries podcast. My name is Lisa Settle. And my name is Isla O'Hara. And we'll be your hosts for today. The Business Diaries is a storytelling platform for businessmen and women to share their stories, the ups and the downs of the entrepreneur, if you like, providing the rest of us with valuable insights, tips and motivation. The storyteller began in a very different format as live events, but like everything recently, change has impacted the way in which we bring these stories to you. So here's the podcast. Talking of change, it happens to be the subject of our story today and particularly change makers. So Isla, who's in the guest seat today? Thank you, Lisa. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Benita Motoska to the show. Benita is a renowned speaker and world-leading expert on change-making, social innovation and the sharing economy and author of Generation Share. Welcome, Benita. Thank you so much for having me. Wonderful to be here. Thank you. Well, we can't wait to hear your story, so I'm going to hand over the airwaves to you. Thank you so much. Well, my story goes back to, well, I could tell you the story of my life, but I'm sure we don't have time for that. So I'm going to tell you the story about really how I got into this whole concept of change making and sharing. And I used to work in television. I was in broadcasting for over 20 years. And I reached a point in my career where I really wanted to, I was getting very fed up of um, very reductive television that was really focusing on some of the negative stories, negative aspects of our life. I felt television was becoming very formulaic and I really wanted to create something that was going to have some kind of impact for society and for people within society and for the planet itself. And so I left television and I went to work with an organisation called Enterprise UK. I decided to move into the charity sector and be much more on the front line. And it was a difficult transition, having worked in the private sector and moving into a sector where I felt like I spoke a foreign language. And it was very, very different pace to television. And I found myself in an extraordinary role. My job was head of global entrepreneurship, Enterprise UK. And my friends used to joke that my title sounded like head of the world. And in many ways, I felt like a complete imposter because I had that kind of imposter syndrome. Um, I'd always been somebody who's you know, a pretty good blagger. I could always talk my way through almost anything. And obviously, that having that kind of communication skill always served me very well in television. But it felt like I was in a very different place. And I was invited to present awards because of my title, this very grandiose title, Head of Global Entrepreneurship. I'd be provide, invited to present awards, to um, uh, be at different uh, ceremonies, to present, to moderate in front of you know, audiences around the world. It was an extraordinary time, extraordinary opportunity. And one of the most, I suppose, humbling experiences of my entire life was when, when I was asked to be um, what was called a counsellor or a mentor, something called the One Young World Congress that was taking place in London. It takes place in different countries around the world. And it's kind of like a youth Davos. And it's all about giving young people a voice. And young people in the context of this event being defined as those under the age of 25. And I wasn't under the age of 25 then, and I'm certainly not now. And I was asked to be a counsellor. And at the time, I, when I had this call, 
I said in my very TV way, well, who else have you got? And they said, uh, Desmond Tutu, Bob Geldof, and so the list went on. And at that point, I just thought, goodness, you know, I have uh, found, I'm finding myself in this extraordinary situation with extraordinary people. And the day of the event came and I found myself backstage with none other than Desmond Tutu. And, you know, that was an extraordinary, very, very humbling experience. And if, if, if there was a moment for me having imposter syndrome, that absolutely had to be it. And in that moment, and listening to Desmond Tutu as he you know, walked out onto the platform in front of thousands of people. This was being streamed live. My mum was watching the, you know, the stream as she heard my name being called. And you know, she was absolutely streaming herself. And in that moment, listening to Desmond Tutu and really thinking about the contribution that he had made to the world in terms of equality, in terms of challenging an apartheid system, in terms of human rights, I pledged to myself that the next thing that I would go on to do would be something that would really have an impact on people and planet. And I left that event and the word that just would not leave me was the word sharing. And I would wake up in the middle of the night with this idea of sharing, sharing, sharing going on around in my head. And I didn't really know what it meant. And I would be, I would be you know, tossing and turning in bed. I was sleepless nights. I'd have a, you know, a notepad next to me and I'd be kind of jotting random thoughts down. And one morning I woke up after a really, really reckless, sleepless night, restless night. And I thought to myself, the first thought that popped into my head was, what's wrong with the world is that there's a shortage of sharing. And I then went on to think that we can fix that because though our planetary resources may be finite, our potential to share is unlimited. And if we can unleash that unlimited potential that we all have to share, then there really is no end to what we can achieve. And following that, a few weeks later, I set up, I registered the People Who Share, which is my organization that's been going, social enterprise, that's been going for about a decade. It was registered in Companies House as a company limited by guarantee on January the 17th in 2011. So we're just over a decade old. And the idea really was to build this campaign, this campaign to build a more caring, sharing economy. And I used to, at the time, I used to go and give talks. I'd talk to anyone that I met, anybody I came into contact with. I talked to them about this idea of a sharing economy. And people would look at me back then as if I was some kind of alien from Mars. Now, people may still look at me like as if I'm an alien from Mars, but that may be for a whole other reasons. But at the time... I was just absolutely passionate and, and drawn into this whole concept that we have this amazing potential. And I started to do some research. I started to better understand that we have enough resources. For example, a third of our food globally is wasted. We have enough food to feed every single person that is hungry more than three times over. What we need to be doing is sharing that food. And I'm talking about perfectly food, that's good food that needlessly goes to landfill. If that can be diverted to people living in food poverty, we can solve world hunger through food sharing. And I then started to look at different kinds of sharing. And this all became really, really crystal clear to me that what we needed to do was to change the, the systems that we have to create 
a more circular economy, an economy that is more sustainable. And I wanted to do this through my work. And my whole driver was this idea that we can have the world that we deserve. We can have a better world that better serves people and planet. We've been, we've created a system and we've been developing businesses and organizations that in and of themselves are not sustainable because our planetary resources are finite and are limited. And so for me, this realization that I had at this One Young World Congress backstage talking to Desmond Tutu was that we can actually do something about this. We can make a difference. And we can make a difference through our businesses and through the actions that we choose to take. But of course, you know, change is difficult. Change is hard. And for me, this driver, this, this incentive and this knowledge that we can create a better world and a better economy and a better society, better communities, better businesses, a secure planet, a planet that is sustainable through the sharing of resources if we change our ways and we start to share in lots of different ways through our businesses and our communities and our, uh, our lifestyles. And this is, the, this is what has driven me through, throughout my career. And it's, it's been a challenge. It's been a huge challenge. And there have been so many ups and downs on the way. And I didn't think that when I left television, people said to me, well, what are you going to do now? You know, I, I had this whole conversation. What are you going to do now? What's, what's next for you, Benita? I had this really successful career in the broadcasting industry. And then I left and I went to work in the charity sector and people are like, okay, well, I understand it. She wants to go and help people. I get that. And then at the point where I decided, well, I've quit my job at Enterprise UK and I'm sharing, I can remember my dad saying to me, who is an incredibly charitable man, an entrepreneur, a businessman, an incredibly you know, person who devotes a huge amount of time to charity, now retired. And I remember him saying to me, sharing, Benita, well, where's the money in that? How are you going to sustain yourself through sharing? And it's extraordinary because, you know, fast forward 10 years and you start to look at this growing sharing economy and all different kinds of companies who have um, sprung up in this space. And there is something called the sharing economy market now. Um, although that's not the, the, the tech companies in Silicon Valley are not representative, I wouldn't say, of what the sharing economy means. And I'm happy to talk more about that. But for me, this is, this is absolutely about we need to change the way we think, the way we live, and the way we do business. And we have the potential to completely change the systems and to create an economy and a society that we deserve and that gives us the opportunity of having a future. Wow. Anita, thank you for bringing such an important subject to us today. That's, that's fantastic. My mind's racing with a million questions already. And of course, you know, the, the, there's lots to unpack here, really lots to unpack. Um, first of all, I want to ask you, after having a bit of a I'm not worthy moment on the stage with Desmond Tutu, did you actually get to chat to him or? I did. I did. I was I, I spoke to him backstage. I was backstage with him for about 10 minutes, which is probably potentially the longest 10 minutes of my entire life. <laughs> and. I mean, he is such an incredibly um, considered man. He has such an aura about him. And every word that he utters is, 
is chosen in such a mindful, beautiful way. And of course, one of the things that I wanted to do was to tell him about a campaign that I was working on at the time, which was Global Entrepreneurship Week, which was all about inspiring and equipping young people to be entrepreneurial. And so I spent a few minutes talking about what I was doing. And he was interested in what I was doing. And, and he, he hadn't heard about Global Entrepreneurship Week. So for me, this was an incredible opportunity to have somebody of such stature as Desmond Tutu learn about Global Entrepreneurship Week, which was helping me and my aim as head of global entrepreneurship to really put that on the global stage. And so he was, you know, he was, he was charming. He was funny. And he was really engaged and interested. And, and I just took this incredible warmth from him. He has such a lovely smile. Lovely smile. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you'll remember that forever. <laughs> I will remember that forever. Yeah, definitely. So we're talking about change makers. And, you know, I know that you've you've done a lot. And as you say, you're, you're, your um, social enterprise company has been going now for 11 years um, so you've done a lot of work in this area. And I know before that you've told me that you've kind of got six characteristics of a change maker. Can you can you sort of unpack that for us? Can you tell us what what does a change maker look like? Yeah, well, I should I should say that I've spent years working and researching this whole idea of change makers. And for my book, Generation Share, I went to meet over 200 of these change makers and through those stories and by meeting those incredible people, you know, ordinary and extraordinary people, I started to realize that they had something in common. That Of these hundreds and hundreds of people that I had been meeting and interviewing and spending time with and researching and understanding their stories, that there were six key characteristics that they had in common. And the first one is, and it's exactly what I've been talking about, is this characteristic of sharing. And, and what I mean by that is, so for example, um, you know, there's an, an entrepreneur in the Netherlands, um, Cohen van der Steeg, and he set up a platform called We Helpen, which is to connect people who need help with others who can offer help, because it's based on the idea that we all need help at some point in our lives. And he had the idea for this platform when he woke up in an intensive care unit after a horrific accident on his, on his bicycle. And he was told that his, you know, his future would look very different. And in terms of work, it was he had a he woke up with it, he had a brain injury, acquired brain injury. And through his recuperation and his recovery, he had this idea that, well, now I need help, but I can I'm physically able. I could walk someone else's dog who has a, you know, who has had a hip operation. I could help someone else. And so he set up a platform called We Helpen, which enables people to, to share their time, to share their care for one another. And based on this idea that, you know, we can share with each other and provide that support. And if you like, it's, a, it's completely revolutionizing how, so how social care is being delivered in the Netherlands. Really extraordinary. So sharing is the first characteristic of a change maker. The idea that I'm not just doing this for myself, but I'm doing it for others. And I'm finding ways in which I can share resources. The second is bravery, because anybody who is taking a decision to, to do something that is, is going to change, that is going to change the way that we think and we live and we do business, and is going to 
find ways in which they can create these more sustainable organizations that make a positive contribution to people and planet, this is about being brave. It's about traveling upstream. It's about doing things differently. So bravery is a really key characteristic and every one of these change makers are incredibly brave. It, it takes a lot of bravery to, to do something different, but we need to be doing things differently because we can't did continue you, as we are. Did you come across people, Benita, that, that had tried to do things and, and, and because they didn't have the um, resilience, I guess, to carry on? Uh, because I could imagine that lots of, you know, there are roadblocks here with with certain certain things so did you did you find people in your in your travels that that had tried to but hadn't had been sort of stopped at every angle every corner and and weren't able to proceed with their idea well I would say that everybody that I interviewed had huge roadblocks mm. um you know there's a, a woman that I interviewed in Greece a doctor Dr Olga Kasidou and she recognized that people who had been unemployed for more than two years, who didn't have any access to any kind of income in Greece, um, were unable to access healthcare. Mm. They couldn't get access to free healthcare. And as a doctor, yeah. as a very senior respected doctor, she wanted to do something about that. But that was not easy. It was not easy when you know there were specific legal requirements in Greece and it was really difficult. But what she managed to do was set up a network of free clinics. She found um, doctors and people and medical professionals who were willing and able to deliver services at no cost for people who absolutely needed them. Mm. But it couldn't have been more difficult for her to do that. And with many of these entrepreneurs, and social innovators, they have faced huge obstacles every step of the way. And of course, there are people for whom they face these obstacles and they face a number of them and it becomes too much. And that mm. is a, you know, a story that we hear. What often happens, though, is those people will later find different ways to do the thing that they wanted to do. If it's something that somebody is so passionate about and they really believe in it, then that is something that they will find a way to do no matter what those roadblocks are and what the kind of, you know, the, the economic situation. You've got Arti Naik in the slums in India who set up a, a school for girls, the slum-based yeah, girls. I love her story. She had nothing. She had nothing. Mm. She, was, she was, you know, living in a, a two-room slum home with, you know, nine members of the family living in this slum home. And the future for her looked like it was one of being sold into prostitution, married by the age of 12 or 13, and what kind of a future was that? And she didn't even have the language to access the education system because in India, you need to speak either English or Hindi. And if you grow up in an area where you might speak a dialect like Marathi, as Arti does, you may not have those skills. And so she had to find ways, you know, with no resources to teach mm. herself English and Hindi. So, it, you know, it, it, I'm talking yeah. about some of these obstacles that people have faced are you know massive aren't they yeah, um, yeah you know other people in countries um an incredible entrepreneur uh, in egypt who has um worked with um waste pickers with women who work literally picking the waste and mm. they are seen as the, at the kind of lowest level of society and they didn't even have any kind of identity cards they didn't exist legally because 
their ex very existence was determined by the man they were married to. And if that man left them, they were left with nothing, with absolutely mm. nothing. Mm. And she found a way to set up a, a microcredit, Imam Bibard is her name, and she set up um, a microcredit initiative where she, she set up this initiative so that women, these women could set up their own businesses through this microcredit initiative. But first of all, she had to get them identification cards. She had to get them ID cards. She had to find a way they could legally exist. Mm. And the amount of red tape and bureaucracy and challenge I can imagine. that yeah. she had in order to do that was unbelievable. I mean, how do you give people an identity who, who, who technically don't exist? Yeah. So I guess my point yeah. is... Bravery is a big thing, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a huge aspect of this. And of course, there are people who don't succeed. But I really believe that if there's something that you are really passionate about, you will find a way to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, the third characteristic is adaptability. And, and, and that really feeds back into what we're talking about in terms of this bravery, because sometimes mm. the way that you think you're going to set up your business or start your initiative is absolutely not as it has imagined, as you imagine it to be. We mm. had to be incredibly adaptable in this last 18 months with the COVID crisis. And similarly, you know, with, with the pressing challenges of climate change, we have to adapt. We have to change the way that we're doing things because we cannot continue as we are. You know, mm. there are businesses, for example, during COVID, if you think about it, who may have talked about having some kind of online presence or delivering digital services for years, and it never happened. But they yeah. had no choice. They had to mm. find ways of, we're recording this now, we're online, rather than being at a lovely event, um, being, you know, physically connected. Yeah. And so adaptability is, is an essential part of being a change maker. Fourth characteristic is, is, is about being positive. Because without positivity, you're simply not going to achieve those, those, those goals and those ambitions. Positivity is a really important characteristic, actually, of the sharing economy, because it's really at the heart of it. It's about being, it's about finding a way to do something. It's finding a solution. And, you know, very often we hear so many negative stories. And so positivity is also about shining a spotlight on what works shining a spotlight on what's good in the world, on the kind of world that we want to be living in. I think this is and where I want to jump in, because when we were talking about this before, you had a beautiful phrase, uh, and which, if I remember correctly, was, in order for us to change the world, we must change the narrative. Absolutely. And, and what I mean by that is, so, you know, there's a phrase, I mean, I, I started my life as a journalist, uh, at the BBC, that's where I worked for, for years. I worked in radio and then I worked in television. And, you know, there's that phrase, you know, if it, if it bleeds, it leads. And I had that experience of, of being at a, a news conference. This is one of the first stories I ever covered as a very young journalist, you know, pretty much straight out of college. And I had this experience of being at a, a news conference where, you know, if you go back to, um, you know, the, the kind of the late 80s, um, you'll remember there was a spate of, of dogs being of biting children um, and this whole idea of, of, you know, some of these aggressive dogs. And there'd been a horrific incident where a five-year-old girl had literally had her face ripped. Mm. And, and the press conference was taking place. Um, you know, the mother had been with her daughter in intensive care. It was an absolutely horrific situation, a five-year-old girl being attacked by a dog. And I just remember that um, the, the mother came out, she was, you can only begin to imagine the trauma that this 
this mother had been through. And she had agreed to give this press conference. And it was like an absolute zoo in there. It was horrific. And I was there for the BBC, for BBC Radio. And, you know, there were all kinds of journalists from various different um, different publications and, 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 you know, and radio stations and television. And it was it was a complete scene. And she came out and she said a few words. She said a few words. She made a short statement, but you could tell it was really difficult for her to speak. And this journalist um, literally like lunged forward with their microphone and said, how could you have let your, this happen to your daughter? Don't you think you're an irresponsible parent? Okay. And at that point, the mood in the room, I just turned around and I looked at this woman and I said, how irresponsible are you? How insensitive are you? And the, the mood of the room, fortunately, was that most people in that room condemned what that journalist yes. had just done, because that gives us all a bad name. Yeah. And I came out of there and I just thought, I cannot work in news. I cannot work in a situation where people are really excited when somebody is murdered. Yeah, you know, fueled by the negative. When this happens, yeah. Fueled by the negative. And so I've long had this idea that, you know, we've got it all wrong. You know, there are so many positive stories out there. We just don't get to hear them. And the reason for writing my book was to showcase these change makers and to showcase the fact that this isn't about some kind of ideal and dream and, and concept that we can build this better world. These are people who are actually doing this. These are actual living examples of people who've transformed communities, transformed societies, They've transformed certainly businesses. They've had major impact on people and the planet, and it's real. And mm. we've taken mm. photographs of them to really bring it to, mm. you know, to, mm. to public attention. And so when I say change the world, change the narrative, I mean that we need to be telling better stories. Because what happens yeah. when you yeah. tell these positive stories, people get inspired. People also realize, do you know, I can do that. They realize that all of these change makers are ordinary people like you and I. Inside mm. every single person, there is a change maker just waiting, you know, to be heard. And, it's, you know, two more characteristics that I just want to mention about, about change makers, because it all feeds into exactly what I'm talking about, is, you know, the fifth characteristic is, is a characteristic of love. And we don't very often talk about business and love in the same sentence. But we need to be doing that because unless we are running our businesses with love and with heart and with purpose, they're not going to survive in a world with these pressing challenges. And I think it's really interesting that over the last 18 months, you know, we've seen businesses have come and gone and those that have been able to, to step up and do something positive. And whether that's, you know, an international, you know, perfume company who's actually redirected its resources to make hand sanitizer or whether that's, um, you know, a supermarket who have, cre you know, created ways in which vulnerable people can, can, can have their food delivered to them or create, you know, we've all seen supermarkets that had in those early days of the pandemic specific times when older people and vulnerable people could go and get their food. And so... You know, it, this whole idea of love and business is so important. And the final one is, 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 is future, is being future facing, is thinking about the long run and thinking about the long game because it's short termism that's got us in the mess in the first place. And it's short term thinking that 
leads to environmental destruction. It also leads to pandemics. It leads to all kinds of other you know, inequalities and poverty, crisis of poverty and, and economy. And so we've got to start making decisions, business decisions, as you know, as business owners, small, medium, large, that actually are for the long term and for the future that are going to be sustainable. Because if we don't, we will not survive. You know, business can only succeed if society thrives. So do you think that the pandemic has accelerated our, I guess, our adaptability, our, I mean, for example, people are typically quite reluctant when it comes to change. Um, but do you think the pandemic has encouraged us to think about doing things differently? Do you think it's encouraged us to, to look more into the future? And do you think this is a trend that is, is here to stay? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we've seen that people have had no choice but to adapt. They've had no choice. If they didn't adapt, they had no business. Mm. If they couldn't find a way of, of going online or of delivering their, you know, their products or um, you know, you'd look up, you look at the, you know, the, the restaurants and so on. And you look at different ways in which they've had to, you know, that industry and that sector has had to adapt. And we've had no choice we've had no choice and, the, and those that didn't have closed they had to close their doors mm. you know there's um, uh, a, a mm. good friend of mine who lives in the new forest and you know it's really interesting during covid there were kind of two local pubs and you know this really is i'm they're going to remain nameless but this is a story of two halves so very very different responses to the pandemic so you know you had one pub that you know obviously every everything closed as it did um but very quickly, as soon as it was possible, you had um, one pub that was that, that opened up for you know for takeaway, and and also got very involved in the community, and and provided a space for um, food collections, and actually really got involved in community because because they could because you know that because they needed to. It was necessary. It was a small village, and and they had a space where they could help people in the community and and then what happened as you know as business started to as you know things started to open up and restrictions are being lifted and they were offering able to offer you know delivery service and and takeout and so on of course people really flocked to that pub because they had stepped up and they had shown that they cared they'd really shown that they cared yeah you know the other pub has had to close its doors because it didn't That's do anything really, for the community and it didn't yeah, try to yeah. adapt and it didn't, you know, have a, a way in which people could be outside or, or, you know, or get takeaway in some sort of way. They just, they just shut their doors. They didn't care. They said, right, we're not doing this anymore. That's and, really you know, interesting, the other one Benita. Now a thriving business. So I, I just, I just think this is what, you know, we, we, we really need to do this. And if we don't, yeah, sure. We, we'll we, we had that story. Funnily enough, it's one of our other guests mentioned that story of the two businesses. Um, and whether it's the same two businesses or not, I don't know. But it, it, it's it's the story that people are seeing over and over again now. It's it's those that chose to, you know, we're we're going to, you know, rise. We're going to, you know, absolutely respond to this. How can we carry on? And there are others that just gave in. And it's it's really interesting to see because lots of other people have developed a, a completely new line of service within their original business offerings. So really, really interesting. And, and, and it's, yeah, 
I like the fact that you've you've heard a very similar story, but I think that's happening all over. And it is happening it, all over. And you know, I think it's just it's just really interesting because it's no longer the case as businesses that we can only focus on commercial return because yeah. that is only part of the story. You know, yeah. people live in this world, and we live in a world, you know, a planet with with finite resources, and we have to consider the triple bottom line, the social, the environmental, the economic, because they are all part of the whole picture. We can't just take one piece of it and focus on that. Because, you know, as I say, if business can only succeed, if society thrives, that's, and the planet thrives, that's the reality of it. And we're already seeing, you know, businesses are already seeing the impacts of climate change, you know, whether that's through their operations, um, you know, whether that's through, you know, their supply chain, whether that's about scarcity and cost of resources, whether that's about, you know, regulatory and political uncertainty, whether that's about increased, you know, insurance costs or, or reputational damage. And I think reputational damage is so incredibly important. I mention it because, you know, environmental sustainability efforts are becoming like really key parts of, of organizations, culture and brand identity and people they want to know. They want to know where their goods and services have come from. And we're seeing lots of, you know, through this pandemic, I mean, we've seen, you know, companies like, um, you know, Boohoo have been exposed for their dreadful, you know, sweatshop practices in Leicester. Mm. And, you mm. know, and the fashion industry came out and condemned that. But then they have to take a long, hard look at this whole concept of fast fashion. You know, it's not sustainable that we have, you know, this fashion that, you know, these these goods that are created within two weeks. Well, you know, someone's paying the price for that. You know, if something is costing 99 pence, you know, at a consumer level, then someone else is paying the price, often with yeah, their life. Absolutely. Certainly with country yeah. resources. And, and I think that, you know, people are responding. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to say that, you know, you've touched on fashion and fashion is a huge uh, industry that really needs, you know, we need to step back and have a look at how what's going on there definitely and I'm very pleased to say that my youngest son actually buys second-hand clothing from an app um and you know he's been showing me how that works and I'm very pleased that the, the younger generation are actually taking note and, and and are thinking what other ways are there and this makes sense I really exactly. really like that I really like that now I, I need to I'm, move I'm on wondering... a little bit I'm, I'm wondering if that's Depop, Lisa. It is. Uh, because, it is. Yeah, I thought that's it would be. I couldn't think it's of brilliant. the name, but it is. Yeah, it's that's brilliant. exactly Depop what is it is. I love I was, Depop. I've got a, quite a few things in my wardrobe from Depop. Excellent. Excellent. Well, he's doing the right thing. He's got a tick today. <laughs> so um, I just want to to move on because I know, Benita, you know, there are so many stories that you can share. And, you know, not your stories, but stories from other people that you've unearthed during your travels. But I think that, you know, if we continued, we can have a really, really lengthy podcast. And so the solution, I think, is to guide people in the direction of your book. Now, I think right now, this is where I have to give a warning because, you know, it might get passionate. I have a copy of the book. And quite honestly, it's a beautiful thing. It's it's a shame you can't see it, but <laughs> at the moment. But if I can just ask you to picture this, it's it's called Generation Share, which is splattered across the front in a, in a beautiful image. Um, it's it's fairly large, safe to say. It's 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 about nine by ten inches, I would say, and it's yellow. 
So there is no chance of it getting lost on your bookshelf. It's a bit of, um, you know, obviously aside from that, it's the contents that you need to know about. And it is packed with examples of people who are sharing all over the world. And the photography is amazing. So it's very visual. Um, and it's lovely. I, I mean, I've had this book for over a year and I'm still diving into it. Um, finding another interesting story, someone who's sharing, someone, as as um, Benita mentioned, the doctor in Greece. Um, there's there's a lady in the Netherlands, I think, who started just giving her the, the food that she'd cooked that day. She was giving it away as extras, which fast turned into saying, oh, I'm cooking this today. Does anyone want anyone? And people putting in their orders in the morning and picking up dinner on the way home from work. I mean, just, you know, all sorts of different things. There's, there are different subjects there. So, you know, ways to share um, within a disabled world. There's all sorts of things. So, you know, I honestly cannot, um, I cannot tell you enough about the book really so it sounds very gushy but it is because I am passionate about it because there's there's so much in there there's so much inspiration so if that's not enough you know enough reasons there to buy the book there's actually more Benita tell us where the proceeds go yeah so I I've you know being a change maker I want to produce a book that in and of itself would be sustainable and would have impact and so the book is made from 100% recycled materials every single copy that's purchased helps to feed and educate a girl in the slums in Mumbai through Artinake Saki School for Girls and and donations from the book proceeds from the book go to fund Artie's extraordinary projects um, which has been much needed in the time of COVID particularly. And also every single copy plants a tree through the Eden Reforestation Project. And I worked with a fantastic um, publisher called Policy Press. They are change makers themselves. They publish books about social change. They are a non-profit publishers. And they were willing to, every question I asked, can this be 100% sustainable? It's organic inks. It's all fairly traded. Everybody involved, I, I joke and I say everybody involved in the book other than, you know, the author and the, and the photographer have been fairly paid. Um, and, and, you know, but essentially I wanted to produce something that in and of itself was going to have impact. And so we've mm. got this target of we want to feed and educate 3,000 girls in the slums and we'd like to plant 3,000 trees through the sales of the book. And so we're at about, we're getting close to 2,000 right now. Excellent. I, I believe we can get there. So I'm asking people to really spread the word. You're doing good by, by, by buying the book. Um, I'm offering, there is a, a discount code for your lovely listeners. Um, Wonderful. Which I can spell for you. It's P-O-M-A-T-G-S-21. And so that's uh, that. P-O-M, that's, that's P-O-M for mother. M for mother, yeah. A for alpha, T for tango, G for generation, S for share, 21. And you apply that at checkout. You need to go directly to policy press. So you go to policy press and generation share. Uh -huh. And at, at checkout, you apply that code and that will get you 50% off the book. So the book will be 20, £12.50. It's usually £25. Pounds. It'll be £12.50. And, and the money will go directly to those causes that I've mentioned because policy press are, are brilliant um, in that respect. And But I think what's important is, so yes, the social impact, 
But I really, this book is about inspiration. I mean, you've mentioned that, Lisa, and thank you so much for everything that you've had, all the positive things you've had to say about the book. It has been called The Big Yellow Book of Hope. And it's yes. also been called, it's also been called a dipping in book because if yeah. you've had a dreadful day, you've had an awful day at work and, you know, you're absolutely tearing your hair out. You know, you can pick it up and you can read a single story that will just offer you that ray of sunshine and hope because this yes. is about bringing hope. It's about showing that people have done it. And these are what I like is that, you know, these are, pe are ordinary people. You know, people have, have said that I feel like I know them. And partly that's to do with the photography. And but it's a very accessible book. Um, I didn't want to write an academic book about sharing and change makers. Other people have written academic books about the sharing economy, for example. I wanted to do something that would be practical as well and inspirational. And they're actually throughout the book. There are lots of lessons learned and tips that you can and lots of takeaways for people yeah, that is. are wanting to try something, you know, mm. And I think that's really important that we can we can we can learn from other people's. It gets your brain ticking, Benita. There's some of the things you think that you know for and for entrepreneurs, it's it's you know no idea is really original, is it? It's always stemmed from something. So you know, dive in and you know not only get yourself a dose of inspiration, but get that brain ticking, thinking, well, if they could do that, what about this? And what about exactly. that? And, you know, and, and that's what I think is, is so lovely about it. Um, I'm going to have to move us on because we're running out of time, unfortunately. Um, Isla, did you, I think uh, Isla might have had a question to to run I, by. I Well, I think you've answered my question in the sense of I wanted to sort of ask you, what is one thing that small business owners uh, can do or even us as individuals can do straight away, obviously, apart from buying your book, which I'm absolutely going to do straight away. Um, what is one thing that we could all go away and do straight away? Well, I'm, I'm going to answer that in two parts. So, you know, something that I say to myself every single day when I get up on a morning, I ask myself, what can I share today? What can I share? And that could be something, it could literally be a smile, you know, with somebody. It could be a kind word. It could be, I might help somebody with, uh, you know, a business challenge that they have, for example. So it might come through kind of mentoring. It could be, you know, doing some shopping for, you know, elderly neighbors. There are many, many things that we can do, both yeah. on a kind of a philanthropic caring level, but also, you know, when you start to look at our, your, your businesses, you know, ask yourself that question of what is it that you can do to be mindful of people and planet? How can you run your business, whatever size your business is, how can you run your business in a way that is considerate to people and planet, whether mm. that's through your supply chain, whether that's the materials that, you know, that your, your products are, are manufactured from, are they sustainable? Are they making a positive contribution? whether that's about being kind to your employees or considering your employees or valuing them, you know, perhaps they've achieved something and perhaps there's, a, you know, an acknowledgement of that achievement. So it's really asking that question, you know, what can you, as a business owner, what can you share of yourself? How can, whatever it is that you do, whether you're, you know, you're producing your products, services, whatever kinds of business in whatever kinds of sector, how can you do that? in a way that is mindful and considerate of people and planet. And if you continue to ask yourself that question, you will build a sustainable business. 
Thank you, Benita. That's such wise words of wisdom. And thank you for sharing your knowledge and experience and so many wonderful stories on this episode of our podcast. So tell us, what, what is your latest project? Well, I am, I'm continuing my work on Changemakers. I'm intending to write another book. I'm also planning a, a Changemakers podcast. So I've been, you know, I've been looking at, at, that, at that for some time because I have been this, this past year, one of the things that I've been doing, which I will be continuing in September, is running the Generation Share World Changemakers online tour. Because in, in 2019, I'd had a physical tour. But obviously, you know, in, in 2021 and 2020, that wasn't possible. And so what I've started to do, they've been, I've been running monthly events online. And each month I focus on a different region of the world, a different country, bringing together change makers from that region to hear and share their stories. So we've had stories from, from Greece, from Poland, from Morocco, um, from Mexico. And then recently for Global Sharing Week, we had an event that was focusing on women change makers. And I had, I had women from all continents sharing incredible stories. From and they Austria. were incredible stories because I <laughs> I joined that there, one. Sir. I was there, yeah. Fantastic people there. from Brazil, um, from Sudan. That's even. right. That's yeah. right. And so, you know, for me, it's about continuing to do this work around change makers, continuing to tell these positive stories that will change the narrative because I believe that change the narrative will change the world to showcase and spotlight some of these unheard stories, some of the people that have that have, have, have been, you know, speakers on these change maker events have never given a presentation before. People have never heard about their mm. project before. So I love the idea of giving a voice to the voiceless and redressing the balance, telling the stories that we don't often hear about, not the usual suspects. And and you know it's been it's been just incredible hearing the variety of stories and the community of people. These events are you know they're free to attend. So I will mm. continue doing those, and we're having a, a break for the summer, and and then I'll be back up. We'll be back up again in the autumn with these events. So you know you can find out those online. It's very easy to find me. Um, well, that's what so I was going to say. The next question, actually, Benita, is, yeah, how, how do we find you? How can we get in touch with you? And how can, if anyone listening wants to join some of your events, how can they, how can they find out more information? Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm Benita, benitamatowska.com. So, you know, you, if you know my name, you'll find me. Um, it really is as simple as that. I'm, I'm on Twitter, at Benita Matowska. I'm uh, there's Generation Share Facebook page and the people who share, people who share.com. So I'm very, very easy to find. Um, yeah. The other project you're asking about projects that I'm working on, the other thing that I continue to do is to work with businesses, importantly, to create and develop what I call change maker companies. And that's really a core part of my, uh, my, my work at the moment, working with companies of all shapes and sizes, whether they're, you know, recently I was working with a, a startup, very, very, very early stage, but then I've worked with, you know, large sort of multinational corporations, taking them through a process of change, because we all need to change as businesses, we all need to change. And yeah. we just need to remember that business will only succeed if society and the planet thrive. And that's really the work that I do is I help create these change maker companies to change lives and to change the world. That's great. That's great. Thank you. Well, we'll include your website into the show notes here as well. So anyone that, that 
didn't quite get that, it's in the show notes and you can catch up with Benita from there. So at this stage, Isla and I usually sort of unpick some of the points or, or, or hi- highlight some of the things that have resonated with us. And But, you know, what stands out for me really is that sadly we haven't had enough time to visit all the individual stories in the book. There are too many, but they are so worth sharing. So definitely, you know, dive in and, and, and have a look. Isla, anything that you want to add to that? Just the key point, you said our potential to share is unlimited and how right you are and that each of us can go away from having listened to this episode, I hope, and think about a change that we can make. And if all of us make a small change, we can make a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. So here we are at the end of another podcast. Benita, much gratitude to you for sharing your story and your time and the stories of others. Thank you so much for joining. Well, thanks to you for sharing with me. And I, I really, really appreciate this opportunity. And, and I've, I've loved being here. I loved sharing my story and, and you know, love being part of Business Diaries. So thank you so much for inviting thank me. You. Thank you. And, and maybe maybe we might be able to actually highlight some of the stories through the Business Diaries at another time as well. So maybe get on some of the people that you've got in the book to actually tell their story from their point of view. That would be fantastic. They would sure make some good guests there. Um, ongoing thanks go to our friend Paul Cheese for Super Jingle and for his editing magic. Isla, is there any announcements before we wrap up? Just to remind everybody, please follow us on our social media platforms, Twitter and Facebook at The Biz Diaries. Uh, Thank you again to Benita and for sharing her discount code for her book, uh, which we will put on our next newsletter. So if you're not on our mailing list, do make sure you sign up and you can do that by making sure that you follow us on social media and just following the links and signing up there. Yeah, and remember that as a change maker within us all, So finally, thanks go to you, the listener, for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed today's story and the discussion and that you'll join us for the next one. Bye for now. Bye-bye. We hope you have enjoyed listening to this edition of The Business Diaries. We would love to hear your feedback. Please find us on Twitter and Facebook at The Biz Diaries.